So that just means, you know, you do the plant surgery and if there's something else you gotta fix while you're in that incision, you do it. So this isn't, you know, a change to the surgery and it's not an additional procedure, which is in a new incision. I wake up from surgery and part of my calf is missing. <laughs> Half of a healthy muscle. Both on both legs, he cut it off. Both legs? He, yeah, both legs. He said, you know, it was his opinion my muscle was big. So he just cuts the whole thing off. There was two additional surgeries that were not, he cut, he actually cut me again and again, totally outside the contract. He put, so, so here's what he claims, okay? And it's really, it makes no sense. He said, um, he went in and he saw, you know, like a tiny tear in the fashion. It was his opinion, my muscle was big, so he just cut it off my leg. Medical error is purported to be the third leading cause of death in the U.S., killing a quarter of a million Americans annually. 23% of Europeans have been affected by medical error. Bad science embeds ME as medical harm globally, making millions missing. But less than 10% of medical errors are reported, because medical error is the secret many healthcare systems and governments work hard to hide. Wrong medication, wrong dose, amputate the wrong limb. I am Scott Simpson, host of Medical Error Interviews, and I talk with patients and families, physicians and advocates about medical error. They share secrets, stories, and most importantly, solutions. Medical Error Interviews is brought to you by my online counseling service, RemediesCounseling.com, a safe space for people affected by medical error, chronic illnesses, and other life matters. A note of caution, some may be distressed or triggered by the medical experiences of guests. Hello humanity, I'm Scott Simpson. And in this episode of Medical Error Interviews, I chat with Felicia Mahmood from Indiana in the United States. Felicia's story begins with a very minor injury due to her athletic lifestyle. Now imagine you're Felicia and you're going in for very minor surgery for a suspected cyst on one of your ankles, a small pimple-sized cyst. Unusually, there is a medical device sales rep observing your non-medical device surgery. Now imagine when you wake up and you find out that the doctor has cut away a huge chunk of your calf on both legs. And now imagine that you then find out that the doctor has implanted mesh devices into both of your legs. How would you feel? Betrayed, angry, frightened, maybe all of these and more. I recently chatted with Felicia about her experience and how she's dealing with the aftermath. If you would like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com and become a monthly sponsor of Medical Error Interviews. You can also support the podcast by becoming a subscriber and leaving a kind comment on iTunes, Spotify, and other 
podcast platforms. If you need the support of an experienced counselor for your own medical error experiences or dealing with chronic illness or LGBT issues or any of life's challenges, you can book an online video counseling appointment with me through my website at remediescounseling.com. A caution, some may find Felicia's healthcare experiences distressing. Thanks, Felicia. And thanks for taking the time to share your story. I'm interested to hear more about uh, what your experience has been. Uh, I read a little bit about it, so I have a sort of cursory overview of what's happened, and it sounds terrifying. Uh, but before we get into that part, uh, tell me about what was your life like before you had this medical incident? Well, I was very active. Um, I got my degree at Paul State as a exercise in exercise science. Um, I went on to get a personal training certification with the American College of Sports Medicine. Um, and so I was working at the gym. Um, I was, you know, I'm, I was working in membership. I did a little bit of swim lessons. Um, I would swim a lot, work out. Um, I have a at the time of the injury, my daughter was two. So, you know, I was, I was pretty active and enjoyed, you know, just living my life to the max, to the fullest. And I ended up getting um, a condition that's common in athletic people called compartment syndrome. So that was a little bit about what my life was like before. Yeah, no, I used to be a triathlete, so swim, oh, really? bike, run. Um, yeah. And I've heard of compartment syndrome, but I don't know what it is. Um, basically, it's a condition where if you, it's common in endurance athletes, it's kind of a vascular condition. So if you work out repetitively, um, it, I think of it like an overblown tire. Your leg, it usually happens in the lower legs and bilaterally, so both legs. Um, it's the pressure in the muscle compartment is high, and so it causes muscle swelling. Um, it can cause nerve damage if it's not treated. And athletes, there's two versions of it, acute and chronic. And the acute version is actually life-threatening and limb-threatening. But in athletes, they typically get the chronic version. And so um, it can cause damage, but usually it's a, it, in, it's a reversible condition uh, with a simple procedure. Okay. Um, and then how did you know that you had this? What sort of symptoms were you experiencing? Um, I was having a lot of muscle pain and just tightness, um, kind of nerve pain. I had a pinched nerve. Um, so it was hard to stand on my feet for even 10 minutes. If I tried to exercise, I just had, you know, a lot of leg pain. And so I had got the condition, I believe, by rollerblading, and I had the boot strap too tight. So when I would try to work out, um, the muscle didn't have anywhere to expand because the boot was too tight around it. So the combination of the improper footwear plus the exercise, I think, is really what caused the uh, condition. 
And how difficult is it to diagnose that? Um, it, for the chronic uh, version, it can take, you know, one to two years. Um, the diagnosis is confirmed by pressure tests. So just like, you know, you do a pressure test in your uh, tires or, you know, if you bike or your car, but they put a needle in the leg to test the muscle pressure and in a healthy uh, muscle, the pressure at rest should be under 15. It should be around about 10. If it's 15 or higher, that's a sign of uh, compartment syndrome. With exercise, it should stay below uh, 20 to 30. Um, I think I got to see what exactly um, the number is, but I know the number with the test should be below 20 to 30, but mine after exercise was about 70, so it was really high. Okay. And so you said that the treatment for it is pretty simple and straightforward, but your experience was not that. No, it was, it was really a bizarre um, experience. I, um, the treatment is, you know, if you think of peeling an orange, um, each orange segment is in that white I would think of think of the orange pieces as the muscle and the white segment being the fascia. The white part isn't that important, but the orange is, right? So same with your, you know, muscles. Um, so with the treatment, you just kind of put a slit in the fascia or the, you know, like white segment and give the muscle room. So it's non-mutilating. It's non... Um, it, it, you have big incisions, but that's it. Once the wound heals... You know, there's no, it's, it's a reversible condition, 90% success rate. Well, um, I guess my experience was that, you know, I had a tiny, I'm saying about the size of a pimple, a uh, piece of, of a tear in the fascia where the muscle, you know, was kind of bulging to the point where it poked through a little. And that's common in compartment syndrome is you'd have these pea-sized her muscle herniations. And so, you know, I kept, I, I knew that was not there before the injury or before the pain started. So I kept going to, you know, various doctors and asking, I thought it, maybe it was a cyst. And so I got one doctor to just agree with me, you know? And so I thought, Oh, great. He believes me, you know, <laughs> they believe, they believe something's wrong. Cause you know, a few scans didn't show anything because the only injury was the pressure. So he had me in for surgery. He said, you know, he had me signed for the cyst removal. So I'm thinking I just got this little cyst going to go and that's going to take the pressure off the nerve or whatever. Oh, and I, <laughs> so you haven't been diagnosed with compartment syndrome yet? No, no. Oh, you're so working I, under the assumption that it's a cyst. Yeah, so what, so what happened was nothing showed up and he just he just said that's a cyst you know because i asked him the doctor and this doctor was a podiatrist so now the condition i have is a leg condition it's not in the realm of podiatry needs a md and so you know podiatrists do foot and ankle so but this was right above the ankle so um i don't think he ever thought i had a cyst i found out later that there was a wound care, I had no wounds on my body, you know, a mesh wound care vendor scheduled to be in the surgery room 
and this was planned out. So to me, you know, I just thought, you know, why would you have a mesh, you know, a, a sales rep to remove a cyst, a surface cyst? It just didn't make any sense. So I wake up from surgery and I had, you know, I had, they had wanted me to, um, so, so I get in surgery day and they gave me the two forms, the one for the cyst, which I signed. And then they wanted to give me a consent just for a sales rep to be in the room. So I read through the forms and it didn't say I was agreeing to any product, no change in my surgery, no additional surgery. It really just said, you know, he could stand there and kind of pick his nose and just watch. And so I said, you know, okay, he can watch, but why do I, you know, it just seemed like the setup didn't match the plan. So I said, you know, can I just reinforce that we're only doing the planned surgery, which is a cyst removal. I'm still thinking this is what I got. I didn't, you know, I didn't know I had compartment syndrome. So they said, yeah, okay, you know, we'll put XX under the procedure line. So under the procedure line, the nurse put the X's. And I read through the Sir, what do the X's mean? So, um the procedure on my consent form said excision of cyst bilateral and under, you know there were lines to write under there was more space so i wanted to make sure that you know nothing else would be done and so that's how we kind of enforced it uh, gotcha so filling um, in those spaces with big x's yeah yeah so the surgeon was there you know it was witness signed with a nurse from the hospital and I said, I want to make sure we're not doing anything else. And he nodded his head and he said, okay, but he kind of glared at me. And my husband said, you know, you're making him mad. And I, I thought to myself, I thought, you know, I can walk out, you know, because I, something just didn't feel right that day. It really didn't. And, but I said, you know, I'm in my cap and gown. There's all these people here. What, what do I got to worry about? You know, um, so, you know, again, on the form, it was, it was just the cyst removal and the small print, there was one. So this is what the form said. The bottom paragraph said, you know, it was the patient's choice. Nothing would be done without prior discussion, unless it was a life emergency. Um, in the small print right under the procedure line, it said, you know, you agree to the cyst and incidental, which is same incision, no added reimbursement. So that just means, you know, you do the plant surgery and if there's something else you got to fix while you're in that incision, you do it. So this isn't, you know, a change to the surgery and it's not an additional procedure, which is in a new incision. I wake up from surgery and part of my calf is missing <laughs> half of a healthy muscle boat on both legs. He cut it off both legs. He, yeah. Both legs. He said, you know, it was his opinion. My muscle was big. So he just cuts the whole thing off. There was two additional surgeries that were not, he cut, he actually cut me again and again, totally outside the contract. He put, so, so here's what he claims. Okay. And it's really, it makes no sense. He said, um, he went in and he saw, you know, like a tiny tear in the fashion. It was his opinion. My muscle was big. So he just cut it off my leg, 
healthy, you know, and I, and he knew I was an athlete and that I practice holistic, you know, alternative medicine. Cause I told him, I told him about my lifestyle. You know, I like to work out. I, I like to rollerblade. So to do this, it just seemed so callous to me. Um, so then I wake up and the, his product from that sales, uh, rep, that vendor is in both legs, that mesh piece, that skin graft. Um, I I'm just <laughs> shocked. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. So I, it's a little long, but I'll try to make it, you know, like to not drown, to not go into too much detail, but it, it gets creepier and, and more bizarre as it as it goes on but i'll try you know i'll try to just stick with the points is that you know i uh he said that was to keep the muscle from popping there was nothing there you know i got pictures and the whole leg there's a hole in my leg so there's nothing but and i'm talking about this was the size of a pimple you know and he's cut off like a chunk of my leg and so I'm just sitting here thinking, well, he probably used that piece was just to make, cause the sales rep was there. So this was, he had planned to use that prior. No, so, you know, and so then he says it takes a second incision, right? And I got pictures of this right next to the other incision where it's not even, these are parallel incisions. They're not even an inch apart from each other um I, a half centimeter apart where he says it takes a second incision literally in the op report to locate the same uh anatomical space the same tendon where he removed the muscle and what does he do he charges my insurance again for additional surgery and he used if you use the same incision there's no reimbursement so he tried to say that I don't even know what he was, you know, I assume that on one leg, he made an incision and he didn't do anything, but he charged my insurance that he repaired a tendon. There was, it's really weird because there was no tendon damage. He may have botched something when he cut the muscle off my leg and damaged the tendon. And, and but then he made a second incision to try to fix, uh, fix it instead of doing it in the same one and then so we could charge my insurance for two the muscle removal on this and uh because the surgery he performed on me it, it doesn't really exist anywhere so the first thing i started doing was you know i went you know i went home and i found out immediately he didn't do what he said he was going to do and he promised me prior and so i was i was mad you know, and I was, um, but at this point I thought he had done the correct surgery. I didn't know I had compartment syndrome still. So I, I didn't know he left the original condition there. Um, I had thought, you know, he had done the correct surgery without, you know, my, my approval. And so I just, you know, I, I complained to the hospital immediately. And I, I, cause I, I was in a lot of pain more than removing a cyst would be. So when I woke up, you know, I, I opened the bandage up and I saw all these incisions and I said, what the, <laughs> you know, what's going on here? And, um, so I called, you know, I called the hospital and, uh, they said, well, you know, we'll put the surgeon on the line. And he was real nasty with me over the phone. I remember that he was real he was real cold and just 
just, you know, a, a long period of silence where I had to ask him if he was still there. And then he said, well, come in, schedule an appointment. I'll discuss what I did. And I said, okay, you know, I, I want to know what you did and if I'm ever going to recover from it, you know? And so two days later I go into his office and it, it, he had his nurse there kind of to like intimidate me. She was writing everything down on paper, kind of typing or something. And my husband came with me and I said, you know, put your recorder on uh, because I, I just, he better have a good excuse. <laughs> You know, good, good thinking. Yeah. And so I got this on recording and it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, he said, uh, you know, I asked him, you know, what did you do? And he, he lied to my husband right there that I was born with an accessory muscle, which is a lie because you can look at my leg and see half of my calf is missing, you know, in the, from the ankle up. And, um, he began when we he, my husband questioned him about the incisions and he started saying well because of my young age and because i you know take care of myself that i should heal up just fine and so to me that's a pretty uh twisted way to think if you're thinking let me cut her unnecessarily because you know she might heal up better like instead of just you know making unnecessary incisions on someone's body and doing you know unnecessary work it just but at this time you know i was still believing the anomaly accessory muscle lie so it wasn't until months later or weeks later um so just to you know make it real quick i don't want to you know make it too drawn out but weeks later i was having a problem on one leg and he uh um, where the mesh was put in without my knowledge. And so he started acting really bizarre. Um, and he wanted to remove it in his office. And, you know, he just, just seemed like he was very impulsive, very, uh, you know, he'd be intimidating at times. And I continued to call the hospital and say, I'm not comfortable with this doctor. I want someone else to take over my care. And I'd call the other hospitals around. I didn't know that, you know, they kept forcing me to go back because in the post-op period, the care is free. So no, no other doctor was going to get paid and no one wanted to take over his work. So I had to keep going back to this guy and uh, I just couldn't find anyone to take. I still had stitches in, you know, I had all this um, questions that only he could answer. The surgery done on me, I wasn't finding it as an established procedure anywhere. You know, usually you could Google something uh, if you got like a rotator cuff repair done or a knee replacement, you, you got a condition, there's a treatment for it. What he did, it's just something he made up. He literally just made. He literally just made something up. It you Google it, and it's not that. It, there's nothing about it. Even the product he put in my leg. If you go on the website, this was called the Primatrix uh, Wound Care. It's only supposed to be used on the skin as a wound healing device. He Top, used it topically. under the skin. Yeah, so like a skin graft, like if you've got like an ulcer or a, 
so the guy sold his products experimentally under the skin where the company website says it's not intended to be used or sold. And this was sold. They made the sale there. He used it. He did a total experience. A total experience. It wasn't just the device. The whole surgery was just made up. And it was so, so I, you know, if you look at my, what was done to me with the photos and stuff, you, you'll never see anyone's leg look like this because it's not a, a treatment for anything. <laughs> so when you realize this, what are you thinking at that point? Well, so as I realized that I'm starting to call attorneys, you know, immediately, <laughs> but quickly before I had got to an attorney, cause they're like, well, you know, you got to see how the outcome is. It's too soon. Um, I go in, I'm having a problem. I'm, uh, he's, he's very, this doctor, he's, he's very, uh, kind of charm, you know, he'd be charming, uh, able to maintain his composure really well, a very good lie, a very deceitful, but a very good liar. Um, you know, he had me by, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm smart because of my history with, exercise physiology and anatomy he had he's very convincing is the way to put it he's very convincing and he sounds if you listen to the recordings he sounds like he's the most caring doctor in the world but it's all uh false it's all false like i think he's personally my opinion is that he's an expert you know con artist but i you know i don't know if he just did this to me but I think if he could pull it off so well, you know, he's probably done it to his other patients. And the way he did talk to me about them in one appointment makes me think, you know, he may, he's probably done this uh, kind of thing before. But, um, you know, so I, I was having the issue with the mesh in the one leg and um, he had me go into surgery. And this is the other creepy part. I asked him a, for, for a physical therapist on recording. He told me no. He said, oh, you're doing so great. He wrote in the records that I had declined conservative treatment. In his Now, he, he's in control of the report, so he could write whatever he wants. Who would know? I didn't decline conservative treatment. I asked him on recording. He said, I said that I did. There was no um, antibiotics or steroids to treat a suspected reaction. There was no imaging or blood test to diagnose a reaction to the mesh. I thought, you know, because he put it in there, that he would know how it was supposed to operate. So I was believing him at this point. He has me go into surgery to remove the mesh only on the one leg and he says he's going to improve whatever scar tissues there and take this product out that was having the reaction i come out of surgery and there's something carved perfectly into my leg in the shape of the of the, of the implant and it's just bulging out of my leg a perfect square it, it was like burned into my leg or something so that was from the second surgery to remove it. 
Sorry, what is this square that was not there before the surgery? Or is it a leftover that from was, the mesh? I think he carved that in there to mock me. Because that that was that square that's carved into my leg that you could see bulging, you know, in the photos I uh, put on the, you know, in the article. He says that was scar tissue that filled in after he removed the mesh. Well, I found out this skin graft, it's not like a normal mesh. It's a skin, it's a bovine collagen matrix. You can't remove that. And I don't even think, well, here's what I later found out. I started digging. I said, where's the pathology report? I had something removed from my body. There was none. He sent nothing to pathology. There was, if there's a suspected reaction of something, you got to send it to pathology. There's no record of anything removed. He writes in the records again that there was no reaction. Everything looks great. And there's something carved in my leg, like as if I said I didn't want it in there. So he was going to permanently etch it in there. To me, that's what I think he was trying to do. Like he's a little, I don't, I don't want to say for sure. Cause I'm not, you know, like a, I think he's a little, uh, sociopathic. <laughs> Maybe I, I think so. I think so. Because, you know, I think it takes, I, I think he's very bold and brazen to do a surgery after I said no in front of the nurse without my consent and it be totally experimental. And then to have this carved in my leg and the way he operates, he's very meticulous, very methodical, you know, and very kind of, I, I don't know, it, it creeped me out. And I, um, so then, you know, cause I'm almost done. Sorry. It's That's okay. Time. This is, um, the creepiest part was, you know, I called and I saw this thing forming in my leg. It took about two weeks for that square to be uh, permanently etched in there as if he was telling me, you know, I'm going to permanently put it in there or whatever, because I, I was complaining to the hospital. I didn't know that the hospital was telling him everything I said. I was trying to get help. I was trying to say I'm not comfortable with him, but they were telling him everything. I didn't know that. So, you know, again, they kept telling me, oh, not a uh, doctor, you know, so-and-so. Um, he's a great guy. He would never hurt a fly. Oh, no, they're under oath. They can't do anything like that. This is what they would tell me. And so I kept thinking in my mind, you know, why would someone want to harm me? You know, I'm going in, I'm paying for a service. So I, I didn't ever think, you know, that maybe someone, and I, I think my, you know, my attorney thinks that this was done on purpose, we think. Um, so, but, you know, we haven't proven that yet, but I think there's a lot there uh, to say. Here was the other thing. I said, where's the consent form I signed that said we, you know, we were not creating scar tissue on, you know, like <laughs> we were trying to improve upon it and we were taking this out and there's no record of anything. I opened the my chart and the consent form's blank. Only doc doctor's signature on it. No patient signature. And I kept thinking, how did this happen? So I kept playing back in my mind the moments, because you know when you've been under anesthesia and your memory's not as good. But I remember now. 
that she had, um, you know, the, the first form said we were going to take the mesh out of both legs because I didn't want it in there. But when, when I went to talk to him, only one had the issue. So we had uh, decided on just the right leg, which had the issue with the, you know, a mass was forming under it. And um, he came out and, or she had a funny look on her face. And it, I think he had her, I think what he tried to do was he had her uh, switch, switch out the form to one that said now that he could change the surgery do additional procedures in the small print you know so this is a different consent form and he had her mock with the x marks like lines under the procedure line to make that insignificant you know what i had tried to do prior and he tried to get my consent for the muscle removal because that was the injury he caused so he tried to put on there remove muscle if need be which makes you know no sense but i was still under the impression this is an accessory one that I don't need not the one I need not the muscle that's supposed to be there an accessory extra one that I was born with this is what he told what what I have on recording that he told my husband so then I uh I remember the nurse holding up the consent form like this but I was in my cap and gown and she never put it in my hand she never gave me the form. She just kind of went like this and I couldn't even read, you know, what was on there. I never had it. And she put it packed down and left. And then he comes out two minutes later and he's like, are you ready, Felicia? And I wake up and that thing is carved in my leg. And I said to myself over and over, why would she not hand me the form? Why would the nurse, you know, unless she thought... And, you know, of course, this is just a speculation, but unless she thought, you know, he was going to try to harm me or something, why wouldn't you hand someone the consent form? Because so it was sort of her responsibility to get your signature on that. It was hers. And so she put the hospital, you know, liable. But I wonder in my mind if when he made her go back and mock the consent form, if she just felt not right about anything and afraid you know and i i don't know because i think maybe she didn't want to be involved maybe that resident that was there they were all taking a turn you know cut me there were two residents there uh that were and i think maybe she overheard something or she didn't feel right about something and so she did not hand it to me and I think that's why that's blank, but I don't, you know, I don't think she forgot, but, you know, cause she had it like this, she just didn't give it to me. And then she walked out. So I think wow. I try to put together why and how this happened. And that's pretty much the story. So, so where, where are you now? You say you have an attorney. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I do, but it took, you know, um, it's been a little complicated at first, you know, I, I was convinced that he, you know, knew what he was doing, that it wasn't a, a, like a mistake, you know, because I just thought, you know, uh, so it took me a while to get a, an attorney, you know, to actually believe that. 
because, you know, they think, why would, you know, why would someone just want to harm someone like that? You know, for what reason? And it wasn't until, you know, we sat down with everything and I said, how do you explain this and this and this? And I said, well, you know what? He also had, the doctor has a prior lawsuit saying that he's done a fasciotomy on someone's leg, but it's not in the scope of his practice. And also that, you know, he, in the recording, I had asked him, what about compartment syndrome? Cause he said, oh, I removed your muscle cause it was so big. And I said, I'm thinking, well, why did he do the wrong surgery? I said, you mean compartment syndrome? Because that's the only time a muscle would swell and be big as if it was under, you know, if it didn't have proper blood flow and it was ischemic. And so he goes, yeah, yeah, we were thinking that's what it was. And, you know, the pressure and he's going on describing compartment syndrome only when you exercise. And I'm sitting here like thinking, but I didn't have the, I didn't have the courage to ask him at that point. Well, why, why didn't you do the right? There's only one surgery for that condition and it's reversible. You know, it's got like a 90% success rate. So why'd you do this? I didn't, you know, ask him then, but I'm just trying to put everything together. And so finally I got an attorney, you know, about a year later and we, we sat down with all the pieces of everything. And he said, yeah, I, I believe you, you know, it's, you know, he, I think he was just as kind of baffled as I was as to why a doctor would, you know, do something like that. But it is shocking. You because so? like, yeah, like, because you try, it's not even a medical error. This is like your like medical experiment. <laughs> yeah and so I started reading and I got real I get more and more angry because you know I said he knew he was injuring me you're he knew the muscle was healthy you're ripping out someone's healthy leg that you but it's not even like he knows I'm a couch potato he knows I wasn't a young you know I was 29 at the time 29 maybe 30 when I'm young and I, there was my two-year-old and my husband in the waiting room he didn't even go to my family and say, hey, we, there's no cyst there. The minute he knew that, you know, it was compartment syndrome, he should have stopped the surgery, you know, because it's not in the scope of your license to treat this condition. But he just, it was like he kept going and going and he went on the other leg and he went with more incisions and he did everything the opposite of what you're supposed to do. And he just made something up. And I said, you know, this is like, I, I feel like it's like a serious violation because, you know, no one should be an experiment without their consent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so have you launched a lawsuit? Um, yeah, we just filed. We How just are you feeling filed. about that? I mean, I feel <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that I have, you know, at least that, at least that. And, you know, it's no guarantee at this point, you know, it could be dropped or anything could happen, but I mean, <laughs> you've started the process. Yeah. I've started the process. So. Gives you some hope. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so you know of one other lawsuit against him, and it you know doesn't sound like this guy. This is a one-off for this guy, as you alluded to earlier. Um, how difficult is it to find out if 
he's done this other times? Um, you know, prior to that, that one lawsuit he has against him was recent, a year exactly before mine. So when I went into surgery with him and I had looked him up, there was nothing. There was nothing on him. And he's been, he's, you know, he's been in practice for over 30 years. So, you know, I thought I was going to someone with 30 years of experience. Um, he didn't have any, he didn't have any good reviews. He just didn't have any reviews at the time. So, you know, I, I thought, well, there's nothing bad um, about him. And I just didn't, even my parents looked him up before the surgery and we just didn't see anything um, that, you know, stood out as to him being a bad uh, person. So or you know uh, any warning flags or anything but i still think you know i think he should be in jail but <laughs> that's what i think so how are you dealing with this emotionally um it's uh i mean it's really terrifying waking up every day to it it's um, it's been, it's taken a real toll on us, um, emotionally, I think, you know, um, I have had about 30 nightmares from it, um, about once a month. Um, I, you know, I don't, I didn't want the surgery and I, I don't want to have part of my leg missing on both legs and, you know, the scarring and all that. And so I, I, you know, it's something every day that you wake up to that was, you know, like, like a disability for nothing, you know, a disabling surgery for nothing. And so I still had to go back and get the correct surgery, which I finally did a year later. So I, I no longer have the original condition, but you know, I'm still disabled from his surgery. So it's, it's just. And do you still have the mesh in both legs? Just, just the one he took it out, you know, that's where he, I think he took it out, but we don't know, you know, we, we didn't have a pathology report. So we have, you know, he had scarred up that leg pretty bad. And one surgeon tried to take that out. Uh, I think, you know, because you would think each time you go in, there'd be more scar tissue. There's less now. Um, they fixed that. That square thing isn't there anymore, but it's scarred under, so the nerve is like scarred down. But I know for a fact that he had to burn or do something to get that square thing that he carved in there to pop out like that. There's no way that that much scar tissue would form by just any, you know, people have had mesh removed before. I've never, no one's ever seen anything like that. So I, I thought that was a little. Uh, and so the, <laughs> and this mesh was made to be topical, not to be inside the body. So the long-term effects of this being inside your body is unknown. Yeah. Well, um, we don't. Yeah, it's not, and it's it was meant to be used on the skin, um, you know, as a wound healing device. So instead, he used it under the skin. And again, you know, nothing he ever said made sense. Um, he said he was trying to keep the muscle from popping again, but he had said, you know, he had cut the muscle out 
so you could see the hole in the leg. So if there's no muscle there, what was the point of it? Well, the guy, you know, the, the vendor was there. I think they wanted to make a sale. It, it just, none of it, none of it really made any sense to me. So I, um, I just think, you know, he kind of took advantage of, of me, you know, at that point when he realized that he wasn't going to fix my condition. So, but he wasn't going to stop the surgery. So <laughs> that's what I think. So you've subsequently had other surgery by a proper reputable surgeon who fixed your compartment syndrome. Mm-hmm. And he also, um, they also took some of that square out <laughs> of my leg. So it's no longer there. And so besides emotionally, um, how, if at all, is the bad surgery impacting you today physically? Um, I, I know that if I had went to the surgeon who fixed the compartment syndrome, I would be back on my feet, no doubt. Because the, the, he, the condition, you know, there would be no muscle missing from my leg. There would be no, you know, all that unnecessary scarring, nerve damage that he caused, tendon damage he caused in his surgery. So I know if I went to the, you know, surgeon who reversed the compartment syndrome, I'd be back to normal. But now, even though I no longer have that condition, I, I have permanent, you know, like disfigurement to my legs. Um, I, you know, um, have pain every day. I can, I can walk, but I can't stand for more than about 15 to 20 minutes in one place. Um, So this has really curtailed your personal training business. Yeah. I haven't been able to go back to training. Um, I haven't, I have to look for a sit down job at like a call center now. Um, so I still, you know, I still can do a few things. I can't, you know, like run or anything like that anymore, but you know, I'm in a lot of pain all the time. And my, I feel like I have so much instability in my ankles without the muscle there that I feel like, you know, if I was to step wrong on a curb or something that my ankle would dislocate or break, there's just no muscle there to stabilize it. It's all you know, just kind of, my foot just kind of dangles from the leg. So. Oh my God, Felicia. This, and it's so needless. It's, yeah. You know, it's one thing to live with a disability through a car accident or birth yeah. or disease, but, yeah. or even an actual error. Yeah. And I, you know, I told my friends and family, I said, you know, if a, if I was swimming and a shark bit a chunk of my leg off, (laughs) you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that kind of anger and need for justice as if someone just came that you thought you could trust. Yeah. That's that betrayal. This is a doctor, you know, why would a doctor say, you know, I just want to cut her healthy leg part, chunk of her leg off for no reason. My opinion is it's too big. Like, so let's disable her for life. It just, you know, I feel so angry. The anger just never, who does he think he is? I think that in my mind every day, who does he think he is? 
You know, you're not making, you're making a decision. I just don't like the size of your muscle. A doctor can make that kind of decision for someone <laughs> when it comes to healthy body parts. Yeah, I it's just, just unfathomable. I just, and it, uh, it does anger me. Um, I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, and it also angers me that, you know, for a while, even my husband was buying into this. And, and I'm like, you know, this doesn't make any sense. But doctors have that um, ability to, if they're in this, they're in this position where patients can be manipulated easily. They can be, you know, they're very vulnerable, I think. Um, and that, that's scary is that there's, there's no real policeman. There's no, um, you know, they can betray your trust like that. So, yeah, the system is set up to where they, they have all of the power and the patients have very little power. Um, and there's a lot of protection for them from medical associations and the hospitals and stuff. And it's not in favor. This is what I'm learning from interviewing so many people. It, they, it's not in favor of the patient slash victim slash survivor. Yeah, no. no. So I, I must say that your anger is a natural response to being traumatized. Yeah. And, you know, they want to label you as crazy, unstable, and, you know, it's, it's anger also because, you know, when you, if you really think about it, someone took a knife to you really without your consent and they just hacked off healthy parts of your body. And, you know, even a knife wielding attacker would just you know, make these wound incisions, they wouldn't take a chunk of you away. So it's really like dehumanizing, I think, to take a part of a person and to without their consent and just, but even worse, was not just the anger from what he did. But, you know, I go to file complaints, and they, they want to kind of blackball me shut shut down my complaint find an excuse for everything we'll just give them a slap on the wrist we'll just file a civil lawsuit and he's still working there he's still at the hospital his hospital privilege hasn't been removed um he's still got his job and what's he paying for this not much I mean, his insurance is going to pay a claim, and if anything, maybe his reputation will go down a notch, but they get, you know, they manipulate their review sites anyways, so it just seems unfair. So we met on Twitter. That's when I first learned about your story. So uh, in addition to your legal pursuit, which is on a personal level, you're also taking an advocacy pursuit. I'm trying. I mean, it's not, I don't know how other people think of it. It's not the kind of advocacy that a lot of people have done before, you know, because, well, it's hard to be an advocate and a traumatized person at the same time. But I feel like, you know, I feel like I can do it. But at the same time, you know, um, I feel it 
as if I noticed, you know, I think it takes a lot of people going about it a different way to get the word out. Um, I think it takes a lot of uh, people and doing different things. But I did notice that, you know, like people would post articles about patient safety and it would just be kind of boring or no one would, would retweet or comment or anything. And so I wanted to go about it a little differently. Um, and, you know, it's, I, there's still a long way to go, but I feel like, you know, we were getting some momentum going. So that made me feel... <laughs> And how's the media, the traditional media, how's been their response? Um, I, I kind of, you know, I had one station interested, but I, I did not want my face out there as much as I would rather be on the internet with just a picture of me. Um, but also, you know, I didn't want to give him like any notoriety i feel like some of these people you know even negative attention they want attention i I don't know if he's the type of person but i just didn't want him to have any attention so i kind of stayed away from the media but as far as my story but um I felt like going online would help at least because I I was surprised to see that nobody was talking about this issue. You know, there, we had, uh, Michigan had Fareed Fada, Larry Nasser, And if you open Twitter, other than, you know, our tweets, no, no one was even tweeting about this, about, you know, like fraud in the medical healthcare system and, um, you know, that doctors might be, you know, harming, like abusing patients. No one was uh, talking about that. It was all, you know, everything's a mistake. Everything's an oops. You know, and they'll even make a salt and battery case and oops, we got the wrong patient. Oops. But really, if you think wrong patient, that is assault. You put, took a knife to someone who didn't consent to having a procedure done. But they, they categorize everything as, oops, we're an not error. just an error. And I think, I think, I don't know what your opinion is about that, but. Well, yeah, because your situation is hopefully so rare um, where it's not just medical error or neglect, where it's like outright intentional harm. I don't know how it could be put any other way. Um, but yeah, th- the majority of narrative in patient safety is really around hospitals and pharmacies is what I find. And sort oh, of yeah. though, those check marks that way, not so much about the individual responsibility and accountability. Yeah. And I wanted to bring about accountability. I, I feel like that's kind of my main issue is that my main point I'm trying to get across on social media is that, you know, even when it comes to negligence, you know, and I I always compare it to driving because essentially it's the same. If you're operating like a vehicle, there's laws to protect the public. Well, it's the same if you're operating on patients, you know, I mean, if you got a, you know, someone driving drunk and someone's injured, they're going to hold them criminally accountable, but they never will just jail a drunk doctor who's operating on patients. Or, you know, if you skip a stop sign or 
you know, if you say I'm in a hurry, you're not intending to take the vehicle and run someone over, but you're like, okay, I'm just going to blow these stop signs because I'm in a hurry. And then someone dies, they're going to hold you criminally accountable. Well, to me, it's the same if you're operating on a person and you say, I'm in a hurry. I'm not going to do the mandatory timeout to confirm the correct patient site and procedure. And you cut open the wrong leg. To me, that's criminal negligence because it results in an assault on another person. And the intent wasn't necessarily to harm them initially, but that you knew that you were not going to do the mandatory, you know, same thing. And so I think some of this stuff, they should be accountable criminally or at least or they're just getting you know pay a small fine a couple thousand dollars which is nothing when they're bringing in all this money and there's just they're just not being held accountable at all i think it is a huge industry a lot of money at stake thank you felicia for sharing your story and uh keep me updated on what's going on and uh I'm sure people will want to follow your story and see where it leads. Well, thank you for taking the time to interview me. Well, Felicia's experience is not really medical error. She experienced medical abuse, and it is worsened by a healthcare system that protects medical perpetrators. I checked in with Felicia a few days ago, and she gave a quick update. She says, The injury is actually worse now, as when they tried to remove the scar tissue, nerve damage occurred. But my original injury, the compartment syndrome, is reversed. But I'm left with the damage he caused. In referring to her Twitter page with the pictures of her legs on it, Felicia says, I actually close my eyes every time I open my Twitter page so I don't have to see what happened to my legs because they look totally mutilated. I'm not getting any trauma therapy, but I have been very angry at the lack of accountability and justice. You can connect with Felicia on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is at WhiteCoatTerror. Thank you for listening to this episode of Medical Error Interviews. And don't forget that you can support the podcast by becoming a subscriber on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. You can also support by becoming a monthly patron by visiting patreon.com slash medical error interviews. And if you need counseling services, I'm available by video you can book an online chat with me through my website at remediescounseling.com. Have a good day and be kind to yourself and to others.